Welcome to tonight's Saturday Night Special, episode 149. I'm Dominic Dom Brightman, and I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to improve consistently over time is key, and one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship podcast with my good friend mr snm himself the sensational and the magnificent scott mater and the best thing that really helped turn it around for me in networking especially as a person who likes to regain energy and likes to have alone time is the fact that even though a lot of folks who regain energy by being alone they hate small talk they like to get deep like another reason why sometimes introverts even do better on podcasts because hey it's like they get deep into the stuff that in there Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In tonight's Saturday Night Special, I interview Dom Brightman. I asked Dom to share why he wrote his books and started his Going North podcast. I also asked Dom about the keys to becoming an elite performer. And I asked Dom to share with you how you can become more confident, even as an introvert. One area that a lot of folks need some help with is around the area of productivity. Getting not just more things done, but actually getting the right things done can be really tough. I've got a course called Productivity for Your Passion that's designed to help you do this and then to hold you accountable and walk with you so that you can tailor productivity not just to be getting more done, but actually getting the right things done. What's more, we take the approach of looking at your personality and how you actually look at things in the world and tailor the productivity system to your personality. Because the truth is, a lot of the systems that are out there are written really well for somebody with a particular personality type. But if you have a different approach to things, they just don't work. But there's tools and techniques and approaches that you can take that will work for anyone. And we help you do that in Productivity for Your Passion. Check it out over at inspiredstewardship.com slash launch. Dominique Dom Breitman, DTM is a certified leadership training with the John Maxwell team, best-selling Arthur, and host of the Going North podcast, a podcast committed to featuring Arthurs from around the world to promote the power of the written word and inspire listeners to publish books of their own. His mantra is advance others to advance yourself. Welcome to the show, Dom. Thanks a bunch, Scott. Glad to be on, baby. The IS show, the is. <laughs> the is, baby. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You can't change the name. <laughs> if y'all haven't already figured this out, Dom likes to have fun. So this is going to be a fun episode, I think. So, uh, yeah, Dom, think, talk to us a little bit about, uh, we just talked in the intro about some of the stuff you do and, and the podcast and you know, the, you've got several books out and all of this. Tell me a little bit about your journey, how you got to the point today where you're doing speaking, you're doing writing, and you're doing all of things. 
and a little bit about how your faith played itself out within that. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks a bunch, Scott, for having me on the show, man. The Inspired Stewardship Hour, baby. That's right. It's going to be fun on all the buns, baby. All the stewardships for all the stewards. But hey, about me. (laughs) Funny (laughs) enough, I actually grew up as a church boy, and if... That was probably like one of the places I spent most of my time. If it wasn't at school or outside playing with my friends, occasionally inside gaming with Big Bro, it would be in the church on Sundays, especially since my father was a veteran who served in World War II as a 82nd Airborne paratrooper and also in the Korean War. And he was very spiritual and he loved to really give, be in church and he wanted me to Make sure I was in church too. So Sunday school all the way up to the end of service. So eight o'clock. So like three thirty PM. Church time, buddy. Pastor looks at his watch. It's a joke. Time is a construct. Especially on Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah. Exactly. The ice cream wasn't even involved yet. That's how long. Oh, it they, was. they weren't even bribing you with snacks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Gotta love the early torture to build character. But yeah, especially um building character. Actually, that was where I discovered my gift for public speaking. And when I got into my teenage years, it looks like, hey, you got this great voice. Then they asked me to be a narrator for one play, not an ORB Jesus for a few other ones. They even recorded a couple of them. Time to time, I was like, wow, okay, all right, I found my gift. And lo and behold, senior year of high school, it actually was my advantage because funny enough, I almost <laughs> didn't pass high school because uh, the public speaking class, we had one, but the problem was we only had one test that semester. For the third semester, because the teacher that took over was the principal's wife, and the t- teacher they originally had, <laughs> she actually got fired halfway through the class. So I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, exactly." So almost <laughs> didn't graduate because of uh, public speaking class. Funny enough, because we only had a written test, no actual practical examination. Wait, but public speaking to- test without actually speaking? You just took a written test? Okay, yeah, works. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a former school teacher who taught science, I, I don't think that would necessarily work all that well, but whatever. <laughs> Gotta love her. <laughs> what do I know? Yeah. It's a resting world. Gotta love, freaking love it. It's, it makes for good content later, though, and <laughs> that good ta- content for later took me through college and actually got into a wonderful birthday gift. I like to call it my setback sandwich year of 2012, where... Turned 21 on my 21st birthday that September and was on the way to IT security class and got into a car accident. Mm. But sadly enough, a month before, my father, he went out for just a regular usual drive out to the grocery store or whatever. And he got lost for 36 hours. And we're like, what the heck is going on? And he was all the way out in Silver Spring, Maryland. They were like, why are you there? And he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm. So having to be the be now basically caregiver for him and on top of that the thing is a lot of folks may try to separate their personal and professional life but the thing is it's still one life we have to live in this time frame anyway and your personal is going to seep into your professional and whatever happens in professional life bits of it is going to seep into your personal life and it did for me so i got called into my boss's office and she read off a list of things where folks were a little disappointed in me in certain areas, some miscommunication issues. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, darn, what happened here? And so after having that realization, I decided to keep working extremely hard. And I actually found my own metaphorical makers, acres of diamonds. 
in the leadership section of the library, read a book by John Maxwell, and that was the first of many to come because the thing was, I worked in the library at that time for up to five years, but I didn't love reading that much because most of what I read was just textbooks, and <laughs> <laughs> I'd read occasional comic books every now and then. That was fun, but like never anything to really develop me, something to focus me to really focus on thinking bigger and actually taking more intentional steps and more intentional directions in my life. And when I read that one book, that really put me on the path to read multiple books. And I try to at least read 30 plus books a year now because of it. And it's all because that wonderful upbringing had a wonderful father, still also had a wonderful mother and a big brother too, who have encouraged me and helped me along the way. And, just going through those setbacks and turning them into a setup for future success. Mm. So I want to circle back to something you, you said. So you worked in a library, but you weren't a reader. Yeah. That, that would be a form of irony there. Okay. <laughs> Never would have guessed it, right? <laughs> Where when I was that age, nobody would let me into a bookstore or a library because of how many books I would walk out with. I was a big, <laughs> I was a big reader in, in, when I was in my 20s. Interesting, though. And so you found John, John Maxwell, and you're a member of JMT. I am as well, the you know John Maxwell team. And he's he's a pretty impactful. So just, just curious, what's your favorite book by him? It's a semi-tough question, but this one still <laughs> takes the cake. Is his uh, companion book to the Laws book, The 21 Qualities of an, The 21 Indisputable Qualities of a Leader, The Gold, Green, and Black book. Mm-hmm. Like that one is probably still my favorite. Like leadership <laughs> is probably a honorable mention because that second. one. Yeah, that was a definitely a close second with that one because I'm like, man, because that book was powerful. But the qualities, though, that one really took me to the next level. Like I've really tapped into my ambivert energy by reading that book. So, you know, and you mentioned or I mentioned earlier that you've written some books too. So what brought you, as you were dealing with all of this, what brought you to decide that you wanted to write a book when you were 23, as you're coming through with father with Alzheimer's covering from the wreck, all of that, what brought you to actually writing a book yourself? A solid question. The beautiful thing is about books, especially self-help books is that a lot of folks, depending on who you hang around, you eventually become turned from guinea pig into actually an actual doer of your actual work and i was still in that mini guinea pig stage where i actually took some of the advice from the book and joined an organization called toastmasters international and i joined that organization just to network with other people because i volunteered to run a public speaking seminar for my church six months i guess six months after i joined and I'm like, all right, let me go ahead and network, see if I can build some relationships, see if anybody's interested in delivering a presentation. And after the presentation was a success, I'm like, wow, so do I stay or do I leave Toastmasters? I accomplished my goal. Folks loved it. I had 90 attendees that day, and I learned a valuable lesson that day as a quick sidebar. Don't put audience participation on the second half of your uh, seminar, even though I doubt people do that nowadays. The fact that I <laughs> the seminar was like from one to three. And the first 60 minutes was the keynote. 95 people were in the room. Second half after the break, it went down to 10 people. Because <laughs> people still are scared of public speaking. That that bad. So that fear of public speaking is real. But anyways, after that seminar was a success, I 
went to another club and this wonderful guy named uh, Daniel Alley came in. He had this speech called act, How to Act Like a Neat Leader. And he was about two years older than me at the time. I think he was 23. I was 21. He delivered a great presentation. And I think he even mentioned Mark 923 during that presentation about the belief. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. I, I like this guy. He even had a book that he was selling in the back of the room after his presentation. God, what the heck? I'll support a fellow millennial since we get a bad rap most of the time. And (laughs) yeah, and after he uh, signed it, I was like, okay, cool. I went home and read it. I'm like, wow, this is a page turner. And he's writing about the same exact stuff I'm reading about. So lo and behold, I'm like, that was like the first seed. And then about a good two years later, I read this wonderful book called The Magic of Getting What You Want by David Schwartz, the same guy who wrote The Magic of Thinking Big. And in that book, there was a wonderful activity called writing out your own obituary, because one of the richest places in the graveyard that I'm pretty sure a lot of your listeners may be familiar with is the graveyard, because a lot of play, a lot of folks who leave this world without embracing their dreams and realizing and manifesting their dreams. So going straight to that phase of like, all right, so let's go and reverse engineer this thing. I'm a best-selling author of multiple books and doing all these other wonderful things. And then a few months later, I meet this wonderful lady at Toastmasters International Conference, and I was handing out these reading lists to people called the 100 Books are Dynamic Living. And when I handed her the list, she looked at it and was like, hey, hey, I like this list. Hey, where's your name at, buddy? And I'm like, oh, it's at the bottom. Contact info. Business cards are so freaking 1990. And it's, no, I'm talking about you as an author. And I'm like, oh, oh, (laughs) exactly. It's like, oh, like what the heck am I write about? And she was like, hey, how about a year from today, you become a published author? And I'm like, nah, I think I'm good. Okay, how about we both become published authors? And I'm like, wow, this is Ricky cool. Nah, I think I'm good. And after just not agreeing in, to that and telling my buddy about it, he actually called me out on a couple of days later during a Toastmasters speech <laughs> because we actually, <laughs> I had to give a presentation and have a Q&A session during the presentation and my presentation had nothing to do with book writing at all <laughs> nothing at all and it was the first and he was the first guy to ask the question too and he was like hey dom so where'd you write your book <laughs> and there's just this long awkward pause i'm like man you can't tell people nothing nowadays <laughs> what the heck am i gonna do here so i'm like all right a year for the day i'm gonna write my book and then after that, folks were giving me an applause. Like, yeah, go ahead and do it, buddy. Go ahead and do it. And ran home after the meeting was over, wrote 14 pages of raw content that became the last chapter of my first ever book, Going North Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself. And it's just, I would say the rest is history, but hey, it got right. really is rest is history. There's still more history to tell in the future. <laughs> and now you have the podcast Going North, too. So what's the connection between sitting down and starting to write that book and now you've got the podcast going oh yeah interesting connection indeed because funny enough starting a podcast was actually in my wheelhouse of reality before even writing and publishing a book i don't even know how that even happened to be honest in terms of the book before the podcast because the podcast i learned about them back in 2010 when a buddy turned me on to them when i was in college i'm like wow this is awesome and after hearing some guys do the way they sh- do their show, I'm like, all right, I, I think I could do this. I got a voice for it. And lo and behold, 2016 came October that year. Going North was published. 
got on TV, local news, was able to get on a little mini tour of promoting the book, did a couple book signings, got major support from my home church, uh, Mount Moriah in the Baltimore, County, Baltimore City, Walberg Junction area. And it was so good. But sadly, my father, who I was also taking care of, he passed away March of 2017. And I was dealing with some grief. And lo and behold, I forgot that the thing is, no matter how much anticipatory grief we have, when the grief finally happens, when you finally lose that loved one, there's still going to be some new grief that pops up no matter how well you prepare for it. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, wow. So I was knocked out for a good three months in terms of my in- internal self and got got into another meeting with the boss of the day job and some more lack of self-awareness came up. And I'm like, OK, all right, cool. I guess I got <laughs> to shape up again. On top of that, that led to another book. But before that, it led to the wonderful idea of finally starting my podcast. And originally, it was going to be called the Mr. Music and Reads podcast because one of the blessings and curses of a creative mind is that you get to create this all these ideas. That's the blessing. The curse is sometimes if you're not careful and you have someone to rein you in, you'll get bored of your old ideas that may not be old but still have some gas left in the tank. And one of my coaching buddies I had coffee with, she was like, hey, how about you call it the Going North Podcast? Because you got a brand here with your book. You always are all about going north. You always say going north and people ask you, how's it going? Why don't you call it that? And I'm like, wow, I'll go ahead and do that. (laughs) And instead of just me rambling on the mic every week, I decided to interview fellow authors because one of the things I noticed is that Oprah's not really doing a TV thing anymore. It's like still the major dream for folks. Like, yeah, get on Oprah. She'll come out of retirement just for you. Go ahead and write your book. And it's like, I'm not Oprah, but hey, I'll just start a show to feature fellow authors, especially self-published authors, to give them a platform there, get their voices heard and get their stories out there and give them a place to even practice public speaking and being interviewed. And it just exploded from there where like September 2017, it launched and my goodness, it's four years of some change later where it's, wow, <laughs> almost five years now, five, 600 plus episodes in probably at the time when this launches. And I'm on the road to interviewing over a thousand authors across the globe. So it's been one heck of a ride. It's been a beautiful experience. That's, uh, yeah, that's quite a journey. So you were going to do the podcast before the book, but ended up with the yeah. book before the podcast. <laughs> and how many books do you have out now? So far, three. There's uh, another book that's going to be out before 2022 is over as well. So, yeah, gonna still keeping the pen uh, heavy and the keys ready, <laughs> Alicia. Uh, I, I, I point that out because you also were not going to be a published Arthur either. You pushed back on that idea, and now you're up to three working on the fourth book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so man, it's so right. How does that work out? <laughs> Not going to do it to getting four books. How, how did that happen? Actually, it kind of ties in with the wonderful title of your show, Scott's Inspired Stewardship. Because, man, like when folks inspire you to steward your time properly, like good things will happen. And that's really what happened with me. Like I'm I really consider myself being on the shoulders of giants because I've had my wonderful parents, my wonderful family members that supported me, friends like colleagues and coaches, mentors, all these other wonderful people that have encouraged me and really been able to at least have different 
areas of expertise and just seeing them in action led to inspiring me and my actions eventually inspiring others. Because the thing is, with being able to get that inspiration to steward my time and finding even new talent for certain avenues led to these wonderful books. And that's why I'm going to keep on going. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> so when you've, you've had the opportunity through your reading, through studying, through interviewing the guests on the podcast, what do you think are the keys to being uh, uh, performing like that, being an elite? Ah, solid question indeed. And one of them, heck, there's even, there's five. And it's in a nice acrostic called Mitch. So if there's any missed listeners out there named Mitch, you're going to love it. Yeah, I'm famous, buddy. <laughs> Mitch doesn't even have to pitch, baby. <laughs> that's right, all the corn. So the M in Mitch, that stands for uh, mental awareness. And it's all about mindset. You hear that a lot in the entrepreneurial space. Heck, even you hear that a lot, period, nowadays, where a lot of folks, especially during the pandemic that was supposed to be two weeks that turned out to be two almost three years worse oh we're still doing this thing huh all right didn't just pay its rent it just came to take over i guess it's a manifest destiny style huh it's living living, it's living in the spare bedroom i'm afraid right now (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like oh god like all right and that just came on top of everybody else having their issues beforehand so this just helped it to skyrocket And one of the major things is just making sure that you have a calm mind amongst why everybody else is losing theirs. If everybody else is losing theirs, that doesn't mean you join the wonderful sheep. Hey, you just make sure you keep your head on straight and keep focused. You have a peace that surpasses all understanding from a wonderful faith standpoint. And that's one of the beautiful things I love about your show, too. It's like, hey, it's all about faith too, faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us that peace that surpasses all understanding. So having that mental awareness, being aware of your current mind state and always seeking to do things that'll keep your brain healthy and making sure that you protect it from other influences. And that's even least to the I in Mitch, which is influence awareness, where you have to be careful of what you put in front of your eyes, what you put in your ears and what you hear constantly, because what we listen to is what we eventually become. Heck, even remember one time back in 2012, I found these funny uh, twins on YouTube called the Hodge Twins, and they were hilarious. <laughs> and they had a bit of a Southern accent. And I listened to a lot of their concept for laughs and giggles. And little did I know, I actually had a little Southern twang added to my wonderful tonality. So I was like, oh, wow. And folks are like, hey, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Baltimore. Don't worry. Just because I put the T in there, I'm still from Baltimore here. And they're like, nah, you're probably from somewhere else. I'm like, why you say that for? Because apparently I have a Southern accent from all the dark hearts twins. So influence awareness, being aware of what influences you, because what you put around yourself the most is what you'll eventually become. And of course, I, I believe this is actually one of the three T's for stewardship is time awareness. I call it time awareness as opposed to time management, because the thing is, time management is really a fallacy. It's all about yep. attention management, managing your attention, because we all have the same amount of time. It's just what are you doing with it? Are you allocating your attention to a certain amount of time on this project, that project, or trying to get the most out of your day, like setting out wonderful things on your calendar to get done and just focusing on Mm -hmm. where you're shifting your attention. And the C is for connection awareness, where you're actually connecting with wonderful people around you, always 
networking like you're breathing almost, just connecting with wonderful people, being a magnet for great people to come into your life. That doesn't mean you're going to get some, not going to get interesting characters. We're always going to have those, especially nowadays, thanks to social media, where (laughs) attention is a very viable currency now. So connection awareness. And the thumb to put it all together is habit awareness. Are you having habits that are going to be building towards a better future? Are you really having daily habits that will really set you up for success, even having a miracle morning per se, where you wake up at least two hours earlier before your first meeting and waking up and doing some exercises, some meditation, some prayer, getting some time with God and the book, the Bible, whatever you do to really set your day up for success. So that's really the acrostic for some of the keys that elite performers have in their daily lives that have brought them the success that they have. So, how do you see those playing out in your own? Ah, solid question. So the habit awareness, one of the major things I had to change with habit awareness is getting proper sleep. And the thing is, <laughs> like the thing is, if, if a lack of sleep, it, it's so bad for you because the thing is back on, because on top of being a caregiver for my dying dad at the time, I had a full-time job at the library. Wow. Basically, having another full-time volunteer leadership job at Toastmasters because I was overseeing 17 clubs in the Northern Maryland area and really just building up my leadership chops and having to deal with, in a way, losing two turnovers, two, losing mm-hmm. two direct reports because I had I started off at three but lost one because her father passed away about a good three months into the year that i was going to be division director that year then my replace then her replacement his dad just got pancreatic cancer only a month in after taking up the job so it's like all right i am not going to replace anybody else i was going to do the work my darn self and that on top of the caregiving and tagging in for mom when she needed a break it was like oh god like maybe i'm lucky to get two hours of sleep some nights especially with my dad was sundowning and that led to me gaining a bunch of weight too because the thing is with all that go go led to poor dieting habits poor sleeping habits and when those two combine you'll gain so much weight heck even they even did a study back in i believe 2007 2008 where the whole united states actually lost over 50 billion dollars in terms of productivity because people wouldn't get enough sleep because when you fall asleep with a wheel and you don't wake up in time it's game over for you and possibly everybody else involved especially if you're driving a truck if you don't get enough sleep for yourself like you're not going to be able to think at your best and if you don't get enough sleep you'll most likely be very short with people i'm a very calm dude but sometimes my patience isn't full if i don't give myself that right time so that's how it really plays in my own life just really just getting that wonderful sleep i need and make sure it's actual rest too because sometimes we go and we don't actually take care of ourselves because self-care is requirement. It's not getting the whole mani pedi, getting a manicure, pedicure. It's just about the basics. Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you talking to wonderful people that'll encourage you? Do you have someone to listen, event buddy? Like just those basic things that we sometimes forget as we're moving along so fast in life. Uh, and, and, and you're actually calling me out because we were talking before we started recording. And I mentioned after the recording, <laughs> I'm probably going to go take a nap. <laughs> no, but it's the truth. I'm a, I, but that's one of the things I like about being self-employed working from home is I can't actually take an afternoon nap or, and it's, I get to do that. I used to do that when I worked in corporate, by the way, too. I would, 
I actually had a little sign that I would put on my door that said, I'm going to take a nap for 10 minutes. And I'd turn off the lights in my office, close the door, pull the shades, put my feet up, <laughs> close my eyes for 10 minutes. And people, my boss thought it was funny at first, but then he's, he's one of the most productive people I've got. So I guess I'm not going to complain too much <laughs> if they're doing it. So yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in sleep and naps, by the way, and naps. So you mentioned earlier you're an so uh, first off, I'm going to give you a chance to explain that introvert, extrovert, but in ambivert. And then what, because you mentioned in Mitch connection awareness, and you've also talked about people having a fear of public speaking. How does that all fit together with those, with people that are introverts, extroverts? What, how should they approach it differently based on you know their personality type and their wiring in that? Ah, solid question. I feel like that's the first time I actually got that question being interviewed, which is crazy to me. But the whole difference between the whole introvert, extrovert, ambivert thing. Well, let's start with introvert. That's the classic one folks like to focus on. The introvert isn't the anti-social failure turtle. An introvert is basically somebody, basically somebody regains energy by having some alone time. When they're by themselves, they regain energy a lot quicker. As opposed to an extrovert, they're the person where they have to be around people to really gain more energy. So for the, especially in the pandemic, a lot of folks are like check on your extrovert friends. They are not okay. And, <laughs> the, and, the, and okay. the introverts were going, I've been preparing for this my whole life. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I, that. I, evil my, my wife bought me a t-shirt that says social distancing. I've been preparing for this my entire life. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. Dick is so darn true. And, the thing is, the ambivert basically has an element of both of those things. Like myself, I regain energy by being alone, but also I can sometimes be energetic and social butterfly when I'm out and about with other people. And in uh, John Maxwell's book, The 21 Indisputable Qualities of a Leader, he mentioned the wonderful story. I'm sure you're quite familiar with it too, Scott, about how his father would always walk slowly through the crowd, learn people's names, and spend some time with each and every single person. And heck, even saw this growing up in church, hence the whole 330 thing. And <laughs> applying that to my own life, like learning more about my colleagues during my day job and then outside of work, getting more better as a networker. And the best thing that really helped turn it around for me in networking, especially as a person who likes to regain energy and likes to have alone time is the fact that even though a lot of folks who regain energy by being alone, they hate small talk. They like to get deep, like another reason why sometimes introverts even do better on podcasts because, hey, it's like they get deep into the stuff right then and there. And really just getting deep like that just helps me to really get in the zone and walking slowly through the crowd. I added that to my own life and focusing on asking other people, hey, how can I serve you? What can, what's been going well for you lately? Making it all about them and then not making it not all about me. So that way... I'm just basically coming in as a possible messenger or an envoy or just somebody aching to help and just learning more about people and then eventually helping them out down the road if it fits. And that's really how it all came together. And now with this whole wonderful age of the internet and starting that podcast at the right time, <laughs> become I've become more of a magnet for people, good and bad. Of course, there's some folks like to market like crazy on LinkedIn, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, God, say hi first. <laughs> yeah. But we can help you get ranked number one on the Google. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's so bad. At least they hit you with the pitch right away. With Facebook, it's even stupider because they ask you, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "Okay, so you did not see author John Maxwell team podcast awesome a profile." Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all right, whatever. <laughs> it says Facebook for a reason. There's some book in there somewhere. Read, darn it. <laughs> Yeah, most people don't read your profile. <laughs> it's hey, a face, <laughs> add friend. Hey, let me say. Yeah, I love it too. When Facebook's here's some friend suggestions, and it's like I don't know these people. Why are you suggesting? <laughs> I, I have no clue who any of these people are. Any of them? <laughs> it's like Facebook always seems a little bit like that desperate person in high school that just you know wants everyone to be friends, and it's. Like, no, I don't know them. So think about it. Thinking about that introvert and extrovert and ambivert. I'm also an ambivert. The same thing of, of I get energy from doing public speaking events, but then I need a nap afterwards. I want to go withdraw and get some alone time too. I have both of those tendencies. How do you think introverts and extroverts, you referenced it earlier. You said introverts aren't the loser friend. Everyone thinks of extroverts as having a lot of confidence and being out there and doing all of that sort of thing, and introverts as not having it. First of all, I don't think that's 100% true, but how can introverts get out of their shell and spend some of that time building network and being more confident? Ah, uh, Yes, if networking is something that's definitely not your wheelhouse, I say definitely join a Toastmasters club, your mm-hmm. local Toastmasters club, especially now since... Folks are still doing it virtually, and there's hybrid clubs where they do it virtually and in in-person. And the thing is, why I recommend Toastmasters is because you're in a room with folks who are looking to get better. They want to have this. They have the same amount of goals. They just want to get better at public speaking, communication, leadership. Some may do it at a higher level than others. But, hey, with you're in a room with folks who are mostly aligned with the same goal and the same I wouldn't say values because not everybody in Toastmasters has the same values, but making sure being in a place where it's a low-packed networking environment for introverts, because that's really how I sort in that environment. Because, hey, I had the voice for public speaking, had the experience, and but I went in there with the mission to network. And the thing is, like most clubs range from like 10 to 20 people. So it's not that bad. It's not like you're walking in a room full of 5,000 raving lunatics. Yeah, how you doing, buddy? High five you. Let's get you in this pyramid. Let's have you recruit 10 people and you get a BMW and a pet cat. Like, no, this ain't that. It ain't that type of deal. I'm just here for the free lunch. Sorry. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to just, they're not going to just stand in front of you, like breaking all social distancing laws. And when you're reaching for your bag under your seat, it's not, it's not that type of situation. And when you're in a place like that, especially when you're starting off small like that, you'll eventually reach out and get bigger and grow as you go along. So that's really just getting places where that development is taking place. Like personal development is good for everyone. Everyone needs personal development. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be public speaking or leadership, even though everyone's a leader. If you step out your front door, metaphorically, heck, even your front virtual door. And the thing is, when you step out like that, you have to just really just be, you are just learning as you go and come from a place of service and just focus on the big mission. Heck, even personal development, just cooking skills. Like that's the other, that's the other thing that's kind of underrated nowadays. That's why we have so many fast food places nowadays. Cause, oh, I don't, folks don't have the time or don't want to make the time or they just don't feel like cooking. So yeah. yeah that's actually another one of those things that the p- pandemic helped make people rediscover a little bit was cooking. 
That's why you couldn't buy bread making supplies for so long when the pandemic first started, because it was very interesting to me that it was bread making stuff and toilet paper that anyway, that's a whole other. <laughs> I don't yes. think those were connected, but they're it's interesting what there was, what there was a run on at the stores, but I'm over there buying eggs and milk, but anyway, so you mentioned a couple of times for a library, we talked a little bit about working for a library and not being a reader. Tie that in as well. We just talked about Toastmasters, but how do libraries fit into, I think that's a kind of a neglected resource nowadays in, in many ways. Yeah. Solid question. Glad you brought it up too, because you're so right about that. A lot of folks, they think, oh, libraries, you got the card catalogs and the old ladies with the ponytails that are mean and tell you to shush. No, it's not. It's actually not that way nowadays in 2022. Actually, the library, especially public libraries in community areas, they are a major resource mm -hmm. for the community, especially libraries like in the Baltimore County and Baltimore City areas, because the thing is, libraries are more than books. A lot of folks use the meeting spaces in libraries for meetings and community events. Some libraries even have smaller meeting rooms for those who need to do study rooms or have small one-to-one -one meetings or small groups of two to four people as well. And on top of that, at a deeper level, some of the items that we decided to get, we had over 200 Chromebooks bought about a good two years before the pandemic started. And when the pandemic started in that summer, we added another 200 Chromebooks to the collection and added another 200 Wi-Fi hotspots. Because shortly before the pandemic started, we had a couple libraries that were testing out a good 20 to 50 hotspots, I believe. And that was a big hit. And folks needed internet. That was one of the major things. Like, speed internet became a major utility for a lot of people because, hey, you can't really get on zoom especially with your camera on if you don't have high speed internet and if everybody is using the internet well good luck so being able to supply folks with technology that they probably can't afford regularly they're just living paycheck to paycheck or always living in the red just trying to feed themselves and their kids and speaking of feeding libraries also became at least a good mm -hmm. 10 of them, especially in baltimore county became meal places like for kids to get free lunches from because the thing is in certain communities during school getting those lunches those were the only times that some kids would be able to eat and when mm -hmm. the pandemic hit they wouldn't have a meal so we also became drop-off points for kids to for parents to pick up free meals for their kids as well so libraries are definitely relevant and they're more community hubs for supporting the community heck even entrepreneurs like entrepreneur academy is something that started a few libraries in the baltimore maryland area as well so it's all about really community service and helping the community advance and survive and sustain itself and heck even advance beyond where they currently are so it's not your old classic catalog with the ladies telling shush it's basically a wonderful center for folks to collaborate connect and advance together and I know a lot of libraries now, too, access to, you know, back to the books and the card catalog. They also have access to those sorts of resources, often electronically. So mm. there's ways to get the book on an audiobook or a electronic copy of a book and check it out as opposed to having to purchase it, which people forget as well. I know, like, our local library down here, they have more books available electronically than they do physically in the library now. <laughs> 
because it's just easier for them to to lend them out that way. Oh yeah, so darn true, so darn true indeed. So I've got a few questions that I like to ask every guest, but before I move to those, is there anything else you want to share with the listener about the podcast or about any of the the things we've talked about so far? I think we covered most of it. Hey, the Going North podcast itself features authors all across the globe. So, hey, definitely check it out. Scott's going to be on it when his book comes out. So looking forward to that one. It's going to be the opposite side of the game. (laughs) Have him in the hot seat. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully in 2022, that's the plan. So one of the questions I like to ask all of my guests, my brand is Inspired Stewardship. You referenced it a couple of times, you know, during the interview talking about what stewardship is. But let me ask you explicitly, what is stewardship to you and what has its impact been on you? Solid questions. Stewardship to me means taking your life and using it to be of good service to other people. Because my father himself, he... Like I mentioned earlier, he was all about being in the church. He was actually a pastor's kid, funny enough. And Mm -hmm. being a veteran on top of that, he actually stayed pretty energetic most of his life. And even up to his early 80s, he was still lifting boxes for the food pantry at the church. And just having one of those role models like that as a person to really emulate in terms of their work ethic. He used his time on earth. I even remember one time when he was taking me back home from school one day and I was and he looked so darn tired the day I'm like dad why are you still helping about like that like uh, you're retired now <laughs> and he was like hey God's been too good to me for me not to be good to other people and use my life to serve other people and when he said that that stuck with me for a long time and that's really one of the reasons why my lo- one of my life mottos is advance others to advance yourself because we're better together and stewardship is all about using your life to help other people with their lives. Okay. And how do you think that's affected you? How's that view affected you? Now that view has affected me in so many positive ways because it focuses on dropping ego from time to time. Because the thing is when you have a few wins under your belt and you're like, Hey, I'm king of the mountain. And then it snows on the mountain. Then the mountain breaks in two and erupts and turns to a volcano. Like, Oh, I guess I'm not king of the mountain. And then folks build you up and it's be careful about them building you up too high because they're going to tear you down. Instead of 15 minutes of fame, it's 15 seconds of fame. Thank you, TikTok. <laughs> so <laughs> making sure it keeps myself in check and making sure that I still remember to serve other people because I, I, like, it's like the whole term self-made, millionaire, self-made, period. Like we're No one's really self-made. We're all made by each other. Like my, like my books, my podcast, that wouldn't happen. If there wasn't publishing companies, paper printed from trees, the, a podcast host having a wonderful computer, internet connection, like all these folks from day in thought of from day one and still using this technology today to where we're having this conversation. Cause I believe you're out in Texas, right? Scott? Yeah. 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 You're in Baltimore and I'm in Texas. So though, though I traveled to Baltimore enough, I had a Baltimore accent for a little while too. Uh, you were talking about getting the Southern accent. I, I had the opposite. I had the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, and it's very interesting to have someone say y'all with a Maryland accent. That's all. <laughs> the Maryland teachers thought I was funny because I'd say y'all, but I'd say it with more of a Baltimore accent. And they're like, that's not right. That's just not right. <laughs> that, that's not right. There's something wrong with that. But anyway. Yeah, because I did spend, I spent, actually, I like, I love Baltimore. I spent quite, quite a bit of time up there when I was working for educational testing service. I spent uh, a lot of time down on the Inner Harbor, 
and different parts down there. Italian quarter down there. They've got good ice cream and good food. And when you travel for work, that's what you measure the success of the trip by is how good the food is. <laughs> that's the only redeeming that's the only <laughs> redeeming factor of work travel. So I've got my version of the writing your eulogy question that I'd like to ask you now. If I had this magic machine and I could pluck you out of the seat where you sit today and transport you to the future, maybe 100 and 150 years, and you were able to look back on your life and see all of the ripples and the impacts and the, the influences that you've left behind, what impact do you hope you've had on the world? Man, that is a powerful question because a lot of folks don't even ask questions like that one because it's really future truthing. And my future truth that I hope for myself 100, 150 years from now is that the family lineage is still going, affecting wonderful people across the globe. And that not only my books are still around to help other people live their lives and people could be like, hey, like this guy right here, Dom Brightman, like dude actually – had wonderful books out there helping people like his podcast is still out there. It's live from infiltrate your brain cloud based radio. Like it's still out there somewhere. We can still go back to his old corny ways and his family's still corny too. They still drop us some corny jokes every now and then. And they call themselves the corny joke kernels and just really just seeing a positive influence. Heck, even a library of my own. Heck, it doesn't have to have my name on it, but a library of my own too. That's another thing down the road because libraries are freaking amazing and just being able to have one of my own that's actually helping folks in the community as a resource that would definitely be one of the major things i would love to see or love to have that my future doms get to see (laughs) okay (laughs) so what's coming next for dom as you continue on this journey of living out your call and impacting the oh yes what's next for me got this wonderful Big project. It's a big project I'm taking on. It's going to be my third solo book, but my fourth book because I did a multi-author book is my third book. It's um, going to be called Bookcast It, or should I say Podbook It, The Three Phases to Greatness by Writing Your Book, Launching a Podcast, and Creating a Legacy. That's going to be a book, audiobook, and online course. So that way folks can get some tools on how to start a successful podcast, run it, and interview wonderful folks and that's going to be a big project and looking to do some more speaking for q3 and q4 in 2022 because this is going to be a great second half of the year that's right second half of the year the first half we'll see we we or should i say we've seen it's like lemon the other half is going to be grapefruit That, that'll be great for you. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, you can find out more about Dom on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. He's Dom Brightman, and that's actually spelled B-R-I-G-H-T-M-O-N, um, in case my accent shows up and people can't figure out what I'm saying. He also has a YouTube channel on that name, under that name as well. Of course, the best place to find out more about him or find out more about the Going North podcast or any of these new projects he's got coming out is over on his website, dombrightman.com. And of course, I'll have links to all of that over in the show notes. Dom, anything else you'd like to share with? Yep, sure thing. I just want to remind listeners, say that you matter, like you taking out the time, stewarding your time to listen to this wonderful podcast and supporting Scott and what he's doing. You matter, and I'm sure you're getting some great content because a man Scott's dropping great content. So no matter what happens, no matter what setbacks may come, remind yourself that you matter because if you're living and breathing 
You definitely matter. Never forget that because sometimes with life, it tends to hit us so hard. We tend to forget that we actually matter, that we have true value. You have true value. If you take something of tracking your victories in the victory log and being grateful for those, like track those victories, track those wins and go back to them as your journal of proof that, hey, I've done some wonderful things in my life and that I truly matter. So remind yourself that you matter. Amen to that. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.